I believe that there is an extraordinary opportunity that exists in the kingdom of God right now. I've talked to you a few, a few little things about this, um, but I really feel like there is a, uh, a new beginning, a new initiating process that is happening in the kingdom of God right now. And it will be happening over the next 20 years. I think I shared with you that I was at a, <clears throat> a friend of mine's funeral. This was probably now two years ago now. It could have been last summer, but it could have been the summer before. And I was just there. I wasn't performing. I wasn't um, uh, ministering at the funeral. I was just in the back and just there to support the family. And the Lord began to speak to me about the demographic situation that is going on just in the world today. That most of the people, uh, you, don't, you look around and you see young people around you in church here all the time, but that's not the, that's not the normal expression of church. The normal expression of what we know of as church in our world today is really more about people, uh, something people do who are over the age of 55. And so the Lord got, sort of took my mind really quickly through a little you know, time warp, and I went to uh, 20 years from now when all of those people who are presently 55 and older are going to be 75 and older if they're even still here. And he began to show me about the opportunity that exists for the kingdom of God as God is trying to do a new thing in the world of apostolic ministry. That the, uh, and we're not going to go into what that means. If that's not a familiar term with you, we can talk about it. But the, there's a new thing that God is trying to do when he's really wants to step away from the religion side of what Christianity is, and he wants to move toward uh, the, uh, the, the uh, not really relationship. Maybe let's say it like this. So up until this time, we've been focused on big church. God is moving into a season of big people. And so I really believe that as we transition over the next 20 years, we have to be ready for God to begin to speak to people in ways that he has not spoken to people before. And so what I want to draw your attention to today, first of all, is the enemy of the New Testament. And now probably you would say, okay, I know who the enemy is. His name is the devil. But you go back now. I mean, you know, I encourage you to do this all the time. I go back and you need to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read it over and over and over and over and over again. How many of you have done that in response to your pastor's instructions? Good. Thank you for that hand in the back. Um, what, that, what you will discover from that is that the devil wasn't Jesus's biggest problem. Like you'll notice in Luke chapter 4 now that he goes into the wilderness and then there's this big, evidently, this big, you know, okay corral experience where the devil is beating up. The devil wasn't beating up Jesus. And but you go to the end of that and it says, and the devil left him. So then Jesus wandered off and the devil wasn't a big problem. Every now and again, somebody would show up and try to push him off a cliff or something like that. But for the most part, the devil was not Jesus's biggest problem. Can I tell you the devil isn't your biggest problem either? And can I also tell you that as we go forward from here into this new apostolic season, the devil is still not the problem. Uh, there is a problem. There is an enemy. There is something that we really need to become very conscious of when it comes to what I believe God is trying to do as he begins to accelerate this work of the kingdom of God, the, the, the Jesus-style world that he's been trying to create from the very beginning. Can I tell you what that is? If you go to Mark chapter 4, shockingly, 
you'll, you'll hear Jesus say this. Here's what the problem is. Uh, let me tell you the story was happening in Mark chapter 4 because I've I'm, I'm only got 60 minutes left. The, um, Jesus is coming in and he tells them a children's story. And that children's story is, goes like this. So you can imagine Jesus coming up and he takes the pulpit. He's standing out in the middle of the field. And he takes the... Oops, yeah. And he takes, the, he takes his stand and he says, okay, here's a little story I want to tell you. There's a farmer who goes out and sows some seed and some falls on the pathway and some falls upon the rocks and some goes in the weeds, but then some of it falls in the good ground and that produces a great harvest. Okay, see you later. And he walks off the stage and leaves. That was the whole thing about Jesus' ministry. But then there's a few people, his disciples, that come back to him after that and they go back by the, you know, in the green room in the back and say, okay, Jesus, so... Uh, why do you always talk in these silly little stories? And Jesus turned to him, and they, he said this, and you have to listen very carefully to this. He says, I speak in these parables. Go to that, go to that scripture. Where am I? Mark chapter 4? Uh, New Testament, Mark 4. Listen to what he says to them. Uh, He says, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, that's the other 10,000 people who were sitting in the service listening to Jesus tell his little story. All these things are done in parables. So he says now, we gotta this is going to go against your concept of Jesus here. He says, I'm talking in riddles. I'm talking in children's stories because all of those people out there I don't want them to understand what I'm saying. Wow. wow. Did you hear that? I'll, I'll, you're not, you don't believe me. Okay, I feel that. He, listen, verse 12. To them that are without, I speak at, to the, uh, without. To, uh, to them that are out there, not asking me these questions to find out what I said. To all of those people who aren't interested in what I was saying, all these things are done in children's stories that seeing they may see and not perceive. That hearing, they may hear and not understand. So doesn't that sound like it's being terrible? Jesus, wait a minute, Jesus. I thought what we were supposed to do is come to church so that we could see and understand. And Jesus says he talks in riddles and children's stories so that they don't understand. Can I tell you why? Because, excuse me, Pastor Alex. Because then they're accountable. James tells us that if you do what you know is the wrong thing to do, to you, excuse me, it is, it is sin. sin. You see, what happens is that uh, people get mad at sinners because they sin. <laughs> That's like if I got mad at you because you smell. But humans smell. If I don't put deodorant on by now, you wouldn't want to be within 10 feet of me. Because it's just the natural thing that I do. I'm trying to smell. I'm just smell. That's what sinners do. And God isn't even mad at sinners when they sin. Because a sinner thinks they're doing the right thing. And so at least they're somewhat true to themselves as they sin. Now, God doesn't want them to sin because sin, remember, is crossways with creation. Creation can't bless a person who's full of fear or dread or selfishness. Creation wants to bless you, but you have to go faith, hope, uh, uh, fear, uh, faith, hope, and love, selflessness. 
As you go more faith, more hope, more love, you align yourself with the world, and that's why God wants that. But Jesus is saying here that my biggest problem is that seeing people don't perceive. Hearing, they don't understand. So I've got to kind of keep a little gateway right there that if they really want to know, I mean, maybe they came for the sandwiches, you know, the filet fish sandwiches that he gave out yesterday. Maybe they're back to get another one. Maybe they, they, they had got healed yesterday because of Jesus' awesome power, and so they brought their friend today to get him healed. They don't give a rip what Jesus was saying. They kind of get over, okay, whatever, boppity, 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 blah, 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 blah. Let's get to the, let's get to the meal. And Jesus says, I need to get a gateway there because if I tell you, do this or God hates you, well, then they can't do it because they don't believe it. And if they do do it, they're just going to be doing it because they're told to do it, which Jesus says, you know, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already sinned. So, <laughs> dude, too late. And so what Jesus was doing was he was saying, I need there to be a gateway where the only the people that get it are the people who are really going to do something with the fact that they got it. Or else Jesus would have had all of the doctrine. He would have written all the doctrinal books. Do this, don't do this, do it like that, don't do it like that. Jesus never said none of that. All he did was go around telling children's stories in the hopes that one or two or 12 or 11 that would get it. So that when Jesus Shazam jetted out of here, there was going to be somebody that still got what he was saying and could take his kingdom and bless the whole rest of the world for all eternity with it. The biggest enemy that we have right now is that when we talk, when we tell people the treasures that we have found, when I tell people, you know, every time I look at Olivia, you know, I don't know what it was with my own kids, you know, particularly Alex, didn't like him very much when he was a kid. <laughs> but, no, I'm kidding. But you know, when I take Olivia in my arms, I tell you something, I could sit down and play for hours and hours and hours. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you are, if somebody saw you do this. <laughs> on her belly all day long. I'm thinking to myself, but can I tell you something? I was telling Tina last night, I was saying, you know what? That kid, she just makes me so happy. I don't think it's happy because I'm like wasting my whole day. I'm busy. I got stuff. <laughs> I think she makes me feel there's this funny thing, that joy. Yeah. And we talk about stuff like that. We say, you know what? Oh, you know, if you just, you know, but I, you know, if I would have not known God, I, I don't even know if I would even know my kids' names anymore. I was really a not a, guy, a good guy. I just got, I would have just got lost. I was worldly. Not bad. I was, you know, I was loved God and all, but I needed God to, you know, I'll follow these rules and that's it. I won't kill anybody. That was the only one really that was bounding my life, I, evidently. But, you know, we try to explain that to people. So, you know, there's a joy if, with family. There's a joy in having people who love each other. And they're going, yeah, whoa, you should meet my family. Oh, <laughs> Seeing, they do not perceive. You know what you do? You know, Pastor Ian, how come you're so blessed? You know, you seem to, you know, you just seem to have everything that's got going on in your life and all that stuff. I said, well, I give away all my money. <laughs> okay. Seeing, 
You know what I do? I serve others. What do you do? I, I serve people. That's what I do. Serve, serve people. Seeing, they don't perceive. Here. Do you know, you know, I believe that it's better to give than it is to receive? Seeing. Uh, you know, people make fun of me because if I get the wrong meal at a restaurant, I still eat it. And I tip. Because I'm not there to be served. I'm just going to give it a moment. I'm just going to give it a little moment. I'm there to serve. I'm there to make the waitress, the cook, and the manager, and every, the guy who cleans the floor and the toilets feel good. That they're, I really appreciate what they do. So you go out of your way. And if they happen to get it wrong, I don't major on getting it wrong. Because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a great person. I'm not trying to tell you that, oh, my gosh, Pastor Rita. Not like that. You just, when you're going, I do that. Yeah. But can I tell you, when you try to explain that to another person, they kind of go to me because they don't, seeing they don't perceive. So I tell people, you know, like I said, to, uh, Tina and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago now, I think, or somewhere around there, about how, you know, pe people, I see pe so many people that are around the world right now have, you ever heard of a rejection issue? Yeah. And they're getting so mad at other people because the other people are not loving them enough. Anybody know anybody like that? <laughs> anybody sitting beside somebody like that? <laughs> and what I said to her, I said, what they don't realize is, is that with love, you have to open the door. You see, if you don't open the door, the other person is trying to love you. It's like this Trump thing, right? I mean, I'm not for Trump or against Trump. I'm Canadian, so I don't think we're for or against anything particularly. But what they, but people don't understand is that, is that he's doing that because he loves people. He's a billionaire. Like if I'm thinking to myself, okay, now I'm a billionaire. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get on the front page of every tabloid to let half the country make fun of me all the time. That's what I'd like to do with my life. Sure beats the heck out of sailing around the world on my billion-dollar boat and having servants pour, you know, grapes into my mouth. No, he's doing that because, he, now, you might not like the love that he's giving, but that's what he's doing. But do you notice that nobody gets that? Everybody's just mad at him because he doesn't give another billion to Houston. I'm, let me tell you, the reason that all happens, it's a joke. The reason that all happens is because we don't open the door. When we don't love, we can't receive love. So the person says, you know what, nobody's, you know, so I walk into the room and nobody comes over and talks to me. Perfect. You know what the problem is. So when you walk into the room and all these other people are saying the same thing that you're saying, that nobody's coming over to talk to me, you open the door. When you open the door, seeing, they don't perceive. Hearing, they don't understand. Like, I'm not going to do that. This is why the kingdom of God right now is waiting in its seed form, sitting underground, waiting to pop up when the moment comes when people see. When people perceive, they're going to go, oh, my gosh. It's like going down the parkway. You know, it's just river, 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 and then boom, the Niagara Falls is there. And it's like, oh, I get what this is all about. 
But up until now, it's just been river, 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 river. Yellow line, right, right, Richard? Yellow line, yellow line, yellow line, yellow line. And then all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Can I tell you what the boom moment is going to be in the kingdom of God? It's going to be when people can hear. That word here just means you're not deaf. That means you have the faculty to be able to hear. You know, husbands, when you say to your wives, you know, you're not listening to me. And then they say, yes, I was listening. And they repeat to you back what you just said to them. I'm alone here on this, am I? You guys got to get some courage, okay? I know you're sitting beside your wife. You got to pull it together and be with me in these man moments. That word is that you hear. But he said, you need to perceive. You need to, that word, the, the word that is there for, for understand is your brain needs to take the two things and put them together. You need to take the seed and the weeds and the rocks and the pathway and put it together inside of your mind. That's what he's asking. It's not complicated. He just wants your brain engaged. The problem is the same today. Seeing you cannot perceive, hearing you cannot understand. We talk over to John chapter 3 now. Excuse me. That was gross, so Ellen, if you could take that out too. <laughs> People come in the future, you know, when, 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 when Captain Kirk comes and watches these videos, he's going to think, man, that preacher, man, he never did a single thing wrong. <laughs> Thank you, Ellen. So where am I? So John chapter 3 now, we have exactly this situation comes along. This fella, Nicodemus, comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, a ruler, a member of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews, it says right there in verse number 1. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, we certainly can't deny that you are a teacher come from God. And we can see the miracles that you do. And then Jesus takes over. The rest of it's in red. We don't even have a question. Jesus didn't even take the time to wait for Nicodemus to, you know, blah, 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 and get to the question. Jesus already knew the question that Nicodemus was asking. And so Jesus answered him. He says, I don't know, why, I don't know what it is with you. Like everywhere we go, we, we hate you. Like you're just like this, you're just like happy all the time. You're joyful. Like you're messing with our mojo here. This is God. This is sad. This is misery. This is, you know, sackcloth and ashes. You know, rip your shirt. This is what God's all about. And you're just so happy all the time. And you're always so hopeful. And you've always got a joke to tell. And you just, yeah, but we know that you're from God. And Jesus says this to him. He says, except, you know, uh, except a man be born again, he cannot, who, oh, excuse me. See. He cannot, excuse me. See. He cannot see. He cannot see the kingdom of God. And so Jesus, it goes on and on here with Nicodemus as he's trying to explain to Nicodemus what it means for you to be born again. Now, we've made this into kind of like a, uh, you know, if, I think we've taken a lot of the, the, the essence out of that because we've made it kind of like a prayer that we pray to join a church. Yeah. But Jesus wasn't doing that. And I'm going to say, Don, you want to pray a prayer and join a church? Come on, join this one. It's a phenomenal church. I'll tell you in a minute how awesome it is. But that's not what it was for. Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, 
if you don't go back to the beginning again and start over, you're never going to understand this. What that means is the same thing he was saying back in Mark chapter 4. You already think you know. And now that you think you know, I can't help you. Because seeing, you can't perceive. Hearing, you can't understand. Jesus then goes on to say to him, I, why, I showed you these things. I've talked to you, for whatever, verse uh, 12 or so. He says, I told you about earthly things, and you didn't even understand the earthly things. Which means I told you about the seed and the pathway and the weeds and the rocks, and, but you didn't get it. Now you're coming to me, leader to leader, Jewish leader to Jewish leader, and saying, okay, dude, let's kind of, you know, two Jedis flying, you can, you know, that's not how we're doing this. I would explain it to you, but you're not going to understand me. That's what we're having the problem with right now in the earth. The whole earth is full of Nicodemuses, which is probably Nicodemi. They want it. They want it. Nice. Guys. That one, I didn't, even, I didn't even plan that one, okay? That's not in the notes. Come on, come and give it to me. Come on, give it to me. They want it. I think they love it. But there's a huge problem in the way. What, Je what Jesus was actually saying to Nicodemus was, I've got your answer. I know what I'm doing. You know I know what I'm doing. And I know that you know that I know that you know that I know that you know what I'm doing. But what you have to do first, Paul says it, if we, in order to be born again, you must do what? You must believe that Jesus is Lord. And we treat this word now. We say Lord. That word Lord is the word kuros. Kuros or Kuros, something like that. When Caesar would go up on the platform, they would say, they wouldn't say hail Caesar. They would say hail Kuros. That's what that word means. That word is talking about the supreme authority, or maybe the way we should say it in our vernacular, the supreme expression of the full potential of what a human being can be. That was the pinnacle, that word. You are the ultimate expression of a human being. No matter where I am in the pecking order of human beings underneath that, you are above me. People in our culture are okay going side by side. They'll certainly lead you, and they'll certainly walk beside you, but they're not interested in walking behind you. This was Nicodemus's problem. This is why we're having such a problem in our world today. People want to be, Jesus is my homeboy. I'll walk beside him. He's my friend. He's my, the lover of my soul. He's my companion. He's my big brother. He's all of these kind of things. That's just me and we're just walking side by side. I'm not submitting to nobody. I'm my own man. I'm smart. He might be smart, but I'm smart too. Can I tell you that word Lord is not that word. Wow. That word says you are the ultimate expression of the full potential of what a human being can be. And Jesus came here to show us 
that we were also that. That we were just like him. The problem that we have in a modern context is that we don't talk about things like Lord. If you say to somebody, who is the Lord? What will they say? Go out, go, go try it. Go to the coffee shop and say, excuse me, sir. Come, come here, sir. Excuse me, sir. Who is the Lord? What will they say? They will say, Jesus. Because we do it all the time. We say, Jesus is Lord. So they're going, Jesus. Because we don't use that word anymore. But can I tell you something? There is a word that we use for somebody who is the fullest expression of what the full potential of a human being can be. Can I tell you what that word is? That word, excuse me while I do a quick costume change here. Oh, thank you, Emma, for making it so hard to find the top. We'll just go like this. The, the, the word that we use in a modern context for the full expression of what a human being can be is a superhero. When, now, yeah, 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 I know you're, was it? Okay, find, find it for me so I can actually wear my Superman cape. I know that you're all thinking this is childish. But can I tell you something? The world doesn't, the world thinks, thank you so much, I'll be my, you are my sidekick. Can I tell you something? The world right now thinks that Jesus is a religious leader. Can I tell you something about the world that we live in right now? Nobody, not even you, want to be a religious person. Being a religious person is like being the lowest of human beings. The people who are stupid. Then go and ask somebody. Would you like to be a... I go to you, I said, so, so how's things between you and God? He said, oh, I'm not a religious person. I didn't ask you that. Nobody wants to be a religious person. And so, but we tell them Jesus is the religious leader. And so they're thinking, that's awesome. He's a great guy, but I don't want nothing to do with him because I don't want to be religious. So we got to stop talking about Jesus. He wasn't a religious leader. Can I tell you, Muhammad wasn't either. Muhammad was, was a warrior. He was a general in an army. About 300 years after he died, they turned him into a religious leader, but he wasn't one. Can I tell you, Jesus wasn't either. Jesus didn't want you to be religious. Matter of fact, go to Matthew 24. He's like, woe to the, woe to the, woe to the, you know who he's talking to? He's talking to the religious people. When Jesus was here, he was like Superman, walking on water. You know, they tried to push him off a cliff. You know, the Jews got this good idea. They'll just get him to preach, but preach on the cliff, and then they'll excite the crowd, and the crowd will push him off the cliff. That's a pretty good idea, right? Brilliant. It didn't work. You know why it didn't work? Because Jesus turned invisible and walked right through the crowd. Can I tell you, when he, when he went places, when he did things, people came to him and they were sick and they got healed? Jesus acted like, it would be like if you were there in that day, you would think you're looking at Superman. The modern day expression of Jesus is Superman. The guy could do anything. He could walk on water. What people were looking at is like, there's like, what is with you? Are you from somewhere else? Are you on a planet? Can I tell you what we love about Superman? What we love about Superman is not Superman. It's Clark Kent. It's
It's the fact that he's meek and mild and he's just a lowly servant in a newspaper somewhere. And then shazam, out comes Superman. Oh, you just love the fact that he's meek and mild with all this amazing power. He still cares about the cat in the tree. That's why we love him. Can I tell you where they got the idea? They got it from Jesus. Jesus was here, awesome power, and yet he cared about the leper. Do you know what we know why we love Batman? We don't love Batman because of Batman. We love Batman because of billionaire Bruce Wayne. The guy could do whatever. He's a billionaire. He could go and live like a playboy on his yacht with surrounded by beautiful women and lots of food, but he doesn't do that. He digs a hole in the ground and goes and invents cool stuff in order to beat the bad guys. We love when people have great riches. It's why we love Tony Stark. It's why we love Laura Croft. It's why we love the Black Panther. Because they're rich, but yet they really want to come and they want to save the world. Can I tell you where the concept of saving the world came from? It came from the original superhero. His name is Jesus. All of these qualities that we're looking at here is power with humility. It's power with the desire to help the little guy. It's power with the, with the desire to save the world instead of living like a North American goofball who just wants to pour their power upon themselves. This world loves superheroes. Do you know how much superheroes are worth? Two billion dollars worth of kids' toys. Do you know who takes half of that money? You're not going to guess. You think it's Superman. It's not. Batman. It's not. Spider-Man sells half of the toys in the entire world. 1.4 billion dollars worth of Spidey toys. Do you know why we love Spider-Man? Because he's young and naive and he's got superpowers. And we love it. Jesus was just a young man. He didn't want to know nothing about the ways of this world. He didn't want to know how to take off, take over for Caesar. He didn't want to know how to run an army. He didn't know how to, you know, fire up his laptop or his iPad. He didn't care about any of that stuff. Jesus was just a meek, mild-mannered superhero who saved the world. And what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, he was saying, if you don't treat me, Jesus now, if you don't treat me like I'm a superhero, because my desire, Jesus is speaking, my desire is to show you that you have superpowers as well. And I'll teach you how to use your superpowers. Jesus was like Dr. X. He was saying, I know you all have superpowers and they're out of control right now. And you're using those superpowers to ruin the world around you. But if I just showed you how to use your superpowers in a way to benefit humanity and change the world around you, that's what Jesus was saying. He was saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you think I got powers? All you need to do, Nicodemus, 
He's not saying, oh, this is all me, and as long as you keep the kryptonite away from me, I am Superman. He didn't say that. He said, Nicodemus, if you would be born again, if you would go back to the beginning and get yourself off your own mind, get yourself off the throne, and just realize that I am, Jesus speaking, I am the ultimate expression of what it means to be a human being, and I'll show you how to be that too. All you got to do is align yourself underneath me so that seeing you can perceive, so that hearing you can understand. And I will teach you how to do it. I'll unlock your soul so that the very mystery of the kingdom of God could be available to you. So don't, please don't pump, don't Facebook that. Ah! No, I need to go back to being Clark Kent. Where was I? Leslie, you messed with me. What Jesus wanted to do is he wanted Nicodemus to just say, Jesus, you're Lord. You're the supreme expression of what it means to be a human being. You are the ultimate expression of the full potential. And you said you'd help me. I'm aligning myself. I'm going to become your disciple. That's what Jesus said. If you're not going to be a disciple, if you're not going to come and ask, if you're not going to come and learn, if you're not going to come and find out the ways, I'll talk and talk and talk and on for eternity, but you won't get a single thing. Because seeing, you won't perceive. Hearing, you won't understand. Put your hand over your heart and say this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for making him quit. No, don't say that. Say, Jesus, I declare today, above all else, that you are Lord. You are my superhero. You are the ultimate expression of what a human being in its fullest potential can be. And you said that you would help me discover my superpowers so that I could be a superhero just like you. You said, that's my destiny. All I've got to do is align myself, is declare in all humility that you are my Lord. And I make that decision today. I step over the line. From now on, red words are commandments. They're commandments to me. They're not optional. When Jesus said it, it means it's important. It might sound like a children's story, it might sound like a riddle, but I know it's not. I know the mystery of the kingdom of God is hidden inside the children's stories. From now on, Jesus' words are my words. They're my marching orders. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.